0: When you're a journalist, that's what we do. But you should do it with a kind heart, not because, oh, wow, what can I get with this image? How is this image going to make me, will this make me more famous? Will that face on that person or girl, strong eyes going to make me bigger? No, that's not the reason to create work. You have to go with a good heart, you know?
1: this photography podcast is brought to you by frames quarterly printed photography magazine here is your today's host w scott olsen with another fascinating conversation Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, oh, man, we are going to have the coolest time today because we're talking to someone whose work is, of course, extraordinary, absolutely compelling and inspiring, somebody who has traveled the world and whose work has a really, really interesting genesis. You know, a way to begin that is unusual. In other words, we're talking with Manuelo Paganelli. Manuelo is... All over the place. His work has been in, oh, let's see, Sports Illustrated, Lifetime, People, Newsweek, Businessweek, Der Spiegel, Entertainment Weekly. It's, it's been inside and on the covers of just about every magazine you can imagine. He's got a background in photojournalism. He's got a background in fine art and he's got two long-term series that have really sort of rocked the world. We're going to get into those in just a minute. One is a, a personal journey back to Cuba over the course of, I think it was about 26 years, all sorts of visits back. Uh, and then the the Black Cowboys documentary series, um, which is... Absolutely amazing. But it, it's there, there's a, a way to approach storytelling. There's a way to approach documentary work that is unique to Manuelo's work. And I'm really happy to have him on the show today. Uh, Manuelo, welcome to the Frames Podcast. How are you doing?
0: Well, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for the <laughs> a great introduction. You, you surprised me. It sounds like if I just got an Oscar. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> So you can send that in the mail, you know? So okay. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And also uh, I'm thinking ahead to the, well, it's going to come in the future, to all the listeners that are here. Thanks for participating. I, I just got over the jet lag. I was in India for about six weeks. And so it's good to be home. Uh, I, I live in Camel by the sea. In California, so I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be uh, doing a podcast for uh, Frames and speaking yeah, Wonderful, wonderful man. Now
1: I, I know you know anybody that looks you up, you know, is immediately made aware of of this really cool story you've got at the beginning of your career. Um, and and I, I you know, even though it's out there a lot, I, I do want you to tell it again, but. Before you, before we get to the famous phone call that you made, there's a, there, 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 there's a there's a question in between there that I wanna I want to know the answer to. You're in you're in college. You're studying biology. You're studying chemistry. You're on the track to be a doctor, and you you know you're thinking, well, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm going to do something else, and you make a turn to photography at that point, but. Why photography? Why not, you know, sports? Why not business? Why not medicine? You know, with all the other choices out there, when you turned away from pre-med, why did you turn to photography? You know, (laughs) it just happened. The the way
0: my career started is, is... uh, it's as crazy as it can get. Uh, I, I decided I didn't want to go into medical school. I, my last year in college, I went to school uh, a college in Collegedale, Tennessee. And mm-hmm. this is, uh, it's, a, it's a seven-day Adventist uh, school, so very strict. And at the time it was called SMC, it stands for Southern Mich- Missionary College. Now it's called uh, Southern Adventist University, Anyway, so my last year, I, I just, I, I realized, you know, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. And my parents were not happy, especially my dad, because when you get foreign <laughs> students, it costs more money to come to the, the United States. So, of course, he wasn't happy. So my life was so, uh, my future was so bleak, which... Uh, Um, Yeah, it was really bad So I thought, why don't I just buy a camera Perhaps that could help me to forget how bad I'm feeling And how bad everybody else that loves me is is feeling too So I went and bought a camera And that was the um, F1 Actually, it was the A1 Canon And the reason I bought the Canon I didn't know anything about cameras at all but when I was looking at cameras, I noticed that all the cameras were, uh had silver on them. And the only black camera I saw was the camera. <laughs> I, love, I love wearing black clothes. And the reason I love wearing black clothes is because my freshman year, when I arrived to the USA, I didn't know any word of English, only Spanish and Italian. I was watching Johnny Cash on TV. And I thought, Wow, damn, man it's so cool wearing <laughs> those clothes because you look great with black anywhere you go. And since that moment, pretty much I started wearing black clothes and so the A1 camera, it was black. And that's why I bought the
1: Canon because uh, I love the
0: black color. I don't know. Were, were you,
1: were you, were you into images though? I mean, were you looking at a lot of photographs those days or was the camera no, just it's sort of a whim? No,
0: no. I mean, I remember where we went, uh, and I believe you're in Minnesota, right? Yes. I remember we took a summer trip, a summer t- biology trip or somewhere during the school year to somewhere in Minnesota, and we crossed uh, Canada too. We went uh, kayaking.
1: We went okay. one of those places yep. to learn about nature and see birds, all of that. That's, you, were, you were probably up you were probably up in the Boundary Waters, in the Quetico area. Beautiful part probably, of the state. Probably, probably. And I remember either my roommate or
0: uh, somebody from school said, if I was taking a camera, I said, well, I don't have a camera. And he said, you should take a camera because it's going to be so special what you're going to see. And I said, okay. So he lent me his camera. I didn't know how to put a roll film. I believe he put a roll film there. And he said, I could give you more rolls. I said, no, one roll should be sufficient. (laughs) (laughs) So I took his camera. And I believe that I took maybe eight or 10 shots out of 36. Okay. (laughs) So that tells you I was into photography. Uh, Yeah.
1: Well, I I tell you what, though, Manuel, now that you've told that story, I'm going to claim Minnesota as the beginning of your career, no matter what anyone else (laughs) says. (laughs) (laughs) So, you 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 get back and and you you start. I mean, we're talking film days here. We're not talking digital. So you start developing the film. And did you look at them and think, this is pretty good? This is pretty cool. And again, you know, even before the, this phone call, we're getting to you know when you're looking at those first dozen rolls of film.
0: No, what no, you I, I, I was uh, sending to a lab to have a process. Yeah. I didn't know anything about processing or anything like that.
1: But when you got the prints back, you you had to look at them and say, "This is cool," or you you had to see something in there that said, "Keep going."
0: No, they were bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they were terrible. But well, I, yep. I kept on going. I kept going. Did you know they were terrible at the time? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah,
0: they were bad. But I kept going, you not know, because I didn't think, hey, one day I'm going to be a photographer and do work for Tom Magazine, blah, blah, blah. No. I kept going because I, I was so unhappy with my life. Oh, man. I was okay. frustrated that I... I wasn't going to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. It was said in my head that I didn't want to
1: become a doctor anymore. Okay. So so you're not going to be a doctor. You've got this camera. You're starting to see some prints. And one afternoon, you're sitting in a store looking through a photo magazine, and you see some good work. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I know you've told this story a hundred times. Man, Tell it again, because I love this story.
0: I love to learn. I'm like a sponge. I never stop learning. And even my kids, uh, they're in college now. They said, tell me the same. And they're also, three of them are like me, pretty much. Anyway, so, um, or I've said four of them. So I decided I wanted to learn about photography and to learn what I'm getting into, to learn the history. You know, no Google in those days uh, or Internet. So I went to a bookstore hoping to find a magazine that I could look at it and some photography. And I I didn't know anything about any photographers at all. Why should I? My world is science, math, uh, physics, uh, biochemistry, nature, uh, the human body. And anyway... So I went to a bookstore and uh, I started looking at magazines and there was one that had an old man on the cover and uh, it was uh, called Dark Room, which by the way, I still have that same magazine. So I started, I started looking. I said, I wanted to know who the old man was and I said, said, his name was Ansel Adams. So I started looking at his work and I thought, holy moly. I mean, this is amazing work, especially that it was done in the 40s. I didn't know people can do such a great work back in the 30s or 40s or 50s until I saw Ansel's work. And I just, I just fell in love with his work. And then I bought the magazine, took it to my dorm, and I went to read about this man. And it's uh, uh, he said that he was living a place uh, named Carmel by the Sea in California, which I live here now. There, yep. And I thought, <laughs> now that's such a strange name. Sounds like a movie production put a name together. You know, it's like such a fairy tale. I mean, Carmel by the Sea. I mean. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound real, so I went to my to the school library and no Google Maps or Apple Maps. So uh, I went to one of those big catalogs. Remember those big map,
1: maps? Absolutely, yes. Yeah.
0: So I searched for Cal- in California and I tried to check everything because I didn't know where Carmel was, and then I finally found Carmel. Next to a place called Monterey, California, and I wanted to know where this man was living. And um, then
1: I decided to call him. And that's a pretty big decision, just right there. I mean, here you, you're here you're, this kid out in, in you know Chattanooga, and all of a sudden you're going to call a world famous photographer out on the West Coast. Was that just a why not or? What 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 made you decide to call him? Uh I wanna say I said why
0: not? And the reason was is that uh, I wasn't seeing him like this big photographer because I didn't know anything about photography, even after I read the magazine, or even <laughs> after I knew how big he was, that was no still he has now sinking in my brain. This is why I call him. In the article it says that he was a trained he do you know that he played piano, right? Piano, oh, yes. Yes. Well, so he was a trained uh, classical pianist. And some family members wanted him to pursue his that career as a, as a musician, p- pianist, because you know, those were the days where oh, you cannot make any money. How can you be a photographer? Get a real profession or something. So, he followed his heart. Mhm. As we all know. Mhm. So I thought, you know, I cannot get any advice because all my friends have told me the same. How can you, you're doing well in school. You have done well. You could go into medical med school. So why would you give up medical school your last year in college? Of course, I couldn't call my parents because they will hang up the phone on me. In fact, (laughs) after I told my dad I wasn't going to be a doctor, he said, well, you know what? I'm going to, I cannot keep supporting you anymore. And uh, I, I ended up working at a place called Little Debbie's, you know, where they make those snack cakes, Little Debbie's. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yep. So anyway, I worked there for a while. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I had to make a living, right? Yep, absolutely. So I thought maybe this old man could give me any advice. And that is why I thought I would call him. Not any uh opportunistic uh, motive there at all, but just advice from all men. Mm-hmm. could have been my grandfather and, uh, or great-grandfather, whatever, you know. So I call uh, 411. Remember 411? Absolutely. So those, those millennials or whatever it's called nowadays because every week it changes, you know. <laughs> I don't know what to call them anymore. So... 411 was a way that you could call a number and a real person will answer at the other end, and it will give you a telephone number of anyone that you asked for, unless the telephone number was private. Right. And then you could not get the number. So she gave me Ansel's number. So within uh, maybe a couple of days, and by the way, I called Ansel. I believe it was like a week or a few days after I got the magazine. I believe it was in 81 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he answered the telephone and I, I didn't know what to say. I was, uh, it's like uh, a frog crawled into my throat. <laughs> so I can't speak. So Ansel said hello twice and I knew that the third time will be hanging up. So I finally say hello, but it sounded more like, hello, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. more fear than anything else. And uh, he started talking, I started talking. I said I was looking for Ansel Adams, uh, the photographer. Uh, first I said I was looking for Ansel Adams, and he said, yes, I'm Ansel Adams. And Scott, I swear to you, <laughs> I was, I was so gullible, you know, I didn't believe that that was the same Ansel Adams, <laughs> you know? So yep. I said, no, sir, I'm looking for Mr. Ansel Adams, uh, the one as the photographer. And he said, so he he was so sweet and kind. He could have said, kid, I don't have time for you. I'm really busy, uh, you know, sorry. No, instead he said, well, I am Ansel Adams, I'm a oh. photographer, and I still didn't believe it was him So then I thought, darn There must be more than One Ansel Adams <laughs> in that town Who is also A photographer So there yeah. must be two Ansel Adams Maybe I called the wrong one Then I said, no sir, I'm looking for Ansel Adams The one who is On this cover Amongst um, Darker Magazine And he said, son, you're speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Then <laughs> We spoke, like, for an hour, and so he told me the same, follow your heart. And then that could have been the end of my story with Ansel. Mm -hmm. But then he, maybe, I don't know if he, I don't know, I believe he meant, I know he meant that. At at that time, I wasn't sure. Uh, Because, you know, here in the United States, a lot of people say, hey, let's hang out, let's get together. And you call them, they say, oh, what can I do for you? They forget yeah. more. So, yeah. so he, he said to me at the end of the conversation, hey, kid, just call me anytime. Well, okay. That's what he said. So I <laughs> like once a week or something. And he got to the point where um, <laughs> Virginia would answer the phone. That was his wife.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he said, oh, that's that kid from Tennessee calling you, Paganelli, yeah. Manuelo. <laughs> The cute Italian kid, you know, and then after a while, Ansel said, I, "I guess he figured that you know it was calling." You remember in those days, calling cost money across states. So he was kind enough to tell me to call him that. Hey, you could call me collect. He said that to me. Well, I started calling him more often. He said that, right? So, mm-hmm. I, so that was the beginning of my career and my mentorship and friendship with
1: Ansel. You started sending him work, though. I mean, you, you yes. sent him prints, yes. which, he would, which he would mark. So, I mean, oh, what, I what the work, you and would, deep, deep research, man, deep wow, research. Wow. Wow. Um, I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed now. No, you, you sent yes. him work, which he would mark up and send back to you. But what in the world did you decide to send him? Oh, no, 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 no. He gave me assignments.
0: Oh, okay. He was my teacher. He would tell me what to shoot. And it was landscape. We started with that.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: Send, he, then he would send it back. Oh, he also taught me, he, he taught me where to get a dark He taught me where to buy paper. He mm-hmm. taught me where to buy chemistry, how to process, all those things. Then I would send him my work, and uh, then he will send it back, and he will make notes, crop here, burn here, he told me all the terminology. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Dutch here. And then I will do that and send it back to him. And he will write back a little better. It could be better or whatever. But it was mm-hmm. it was a long, it was correspondent. I mean it was uh it was nonstop.
1: Yeah. Now, w- yeah. was was the, was the teaching mostly at the technical level, or were you getting into kind of the the vision of photography as well?
0: You no, know, the vision as well. The vision as well. Even the uh, zoom system, which I never got, but <laughs> I listened to it. You know, hey, I'm ADHD. You know, when you start talking like that, it's like at some point, I'm sorry, I start thinking about. Running or <laughs> swimming <laughs> and Anyway well, no, exactly. well, I, I couldn't master that So yeah, it was it was a technical thing At some point he said "Manuel, have you thought of working with people? I said, no So I said, why don't you try That at, at your school Go around I said, he, he got me mm-hmm. And yeah, so that was better That started going better Still, it was terrible <laughs> Anyway <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. That's how that's how my career started. I mean
0: And and okay,
1: and th- then you get a job with the Chattanooga Times.
0: Yes. I went to Chattanooga Times. Uh that was a while later. And I had no background as a p as a PJ. Uh, that stands for mm-hmm. journalists.
1: But they hired you. They had to see something in the portfolio that worked. Uh
0: no, they didn't like anything.
1: <clears throat> they didn't. <laughs> uh,
0: they didn't. <laughs> I went to two newspapers, the Chattanooga Times and the Chattanooga Free Press. I went okay. to work at the Chattanooga Times because it's, it was more journalistic, real journalistic, uh, real images. The Free Press, it was mostly uh, having people from society in the front cover or the Rotary Club and things like that. But I went to do more realistic work. So I saw both of the photo editors, uh, director of photography, And yeah, they pretty much said that I wasn't good. And uh, they said I needed to go to school to learn photography. And the last thing I wanted to do was go to school again because I hated Mm -hmm. school. At that point, I was burned out with sciences. Then one day, then a few days later, I look at the Chattanooga Times and I started looking at the Masthead. For those who don't understand Masthead, that's uh, the front page or the second page of the paper or magazine that will have the publisher's name, the, the editors
1: and all this stuff, yeah.
0: Art director, all of that. Anyway, so I started looking at the names of those people and I saw the publisher. I, I was smart enough to know that that was too high for me to reach, you know? So I saw the managing editor, still high enough. So I thought, well, let me call him. So I call him and I, I, I his name is, uh, he's still alive. We are in touch and uh, he's in his 80s and uh, he's the reason we're talking right now pretty much, along with Ansel Adams. So I call him uh, his name is Ed- Edgar Miller. So I call him, but why I call, I didn't say, first the phone, the call went through the receptionist and I just said May I speak with Edgar May I speak with Ed- Edgar Edgar Miller I didn't say Mr. Miller Right So The secret, The receptionist in the front lobby Sent the call To his assistant To the, his personal assistant And she uh, This lady answered the phone And I said to her Hi, may I speak with Edgar <laughs> So he went from Edgar Miller to Edgar. Yep. You know, I mean, I was mm-hmm. trying to, you know, maybe this is work. I mean, maybe if I make it friendlier, I know the man could get me through. And sure enough, mm-hmm. she didn't ask me what is the same regard. She put the call through. So Mr. Miller <laughs> has the telephone <laughs> and he had a he has a deep voice. I mean, deep. Mm-hmm. Like someone you don't want to be messing with, and I was even more scared with him than what I was with him when Ansel answered, answered the phone. So it was the same story. He said hello twice, and finally I said hi. So I told I told him the truth. I said, "Listen, I was born in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, uh, of Cuba and Italian background. I went to SMC, Southern Missionary College." And uh, so I told him my life story, except mentioning Ansel Adams. And I said the truth. I don't know much about photography, but I feel like I could maybe become a photographer. And I would love to m- meet you and see what you think. And he said, can you come next week, Wednesday? I say, yes. So there I was Wednesday. And... Then we met and he saw my work, which wasn't great. But a week later, he or two weeks later, he called me and said, listen, we have a uh, photographer that's living in uh, Tennessee, Chattanooga. He's going to Washington, D.C., where he'll be working for USA Today. And at that time, USA Today was a new newspaper. So it was right. new. right. And so we're probably going to be hiring uh, two interns. It's a no-paying thing. And uh, it's for the summer. And so we're going to
1: give you a try. And that was the beginning. And a year later, you're photographing the Olympics. Yes, that was the story. (laughs) (laughs) No, but but I mean, clearly that was a successful yeah. year. I mean, yeah. I, I, I know, I know, I know yeah. the story where they, you know, you got you you're the front page, and you said, yeah, I got the front page, and the editor said, "Look, kid, you know it's not that good." Exactly, exactly.
0: I could get, I I, yeah, I could go down on the street and get anyone; they'll do better <laughs> than yours. I good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that, I, that's, I don't that's real all.
1: encouragement. That's real encouragement.
0: I don't, encouragement. I don't get, things like that just make me stronger. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the Olympics something else. The, man, you did your research. I'm really impressed. <laughs> 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 I hope you didn't do your research too deep because you may find some embarrassing <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> so the Olympic, it was in 84, actually. Uh, I right. got on the paper on uh, 82. So 82, 83, so it's about two years later. I knew, or a year and a half, I already knew that the Olympics was going to happen in uh, L.A., And I thought, man, I would love to cover the Olympics. So I did research. You see, I do research too. So I started doing research, uh, which, as you know, was much harder because we had to really work hard finding answers in those days, you know, especially in the photography industry. And you know, a lot of time people didn't want to talk to you because it was like, oh, those are secrets. I cannot tell you that, you know. So anyway, so I started searching who was doing the Olympics. I called a few major newspapers and they said no, we have our, our we have our own staff. Then I called the I believe it's called ICP International Olympic yep. Committee. IOCP mm-hmm. something like that. So I called them and they say, sure, we could use you, you know? And well they said, send, send me your resume, send us your resume, sell some work, but whatever. Right. Right. And they hired me. And yeah. So then all that time, uh, the newspaper didn't know I was going to Olympics. But what I did was I told my, my director of photography, Hey, I want to work as much as I can. So whatever someone is sick, uh, it's my day off. I'm come and work. Uh, so, and then I just want to take like a month off in the summer of 84. <laughs> and they said, that's fine. So I, I had set it up ahead of time. So it came to the Olympics and I, I went to LA. I was one of the youngest photographers there.
1: What What were your favorite events to shoot? Do you remember?
0: Well, there were a few at the wrestling, at the, well, I was not doing the, the prime things like swimming, I did some wrestling, I did some weightlifting. So the, the B sports, you know, down the line, that kind of thing. And also they used me in the darkroom. So yeah, so I was happy just to be there.
1: Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might wanna have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now back to today's conversation. Okay, I mean... Running through your career, because I, I really want to get to your your, your more current work and your pro, your big projects here in just a second. Um, mm-hmm. You wind up going to D.C. You go to work for an agency. After a few months, you say, "Screw this! I, you know, oh, I, I don't wow, want to work for an agency man, anymore." Man, man, you really think but, you're in search. Yeah, but no. But, but no <laughs> <laughs> this, this is all searchable, man. This is all stuff you can find. Anyway, yeah, so it, but, it but was, then it was AFP. Yeah, it was AFP. Yeah. Um, but yes, then you, you you quickly become a freelancer. So clearly, you you know with this work, you can make a living on your own talent and on your own hustle. Oof,
0: that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and to all those young photographers out there, listen, humility is important. So be humble. Remember that. Or it's going to come back and bite you on, on the rear end. So... So yeah, so Five or six months after I was working for AFP I hated working there It was terrible And uh, Either, I I think Honestly, I believe they fired me That's what it was And I mean, you know I I thought I was going to be shooting Mostly, by that time I wanted to be like um, David Burnett, you probably know who he is And I said, "Hey, I want to be like David Burnett and just travel the world, uh, doing great work for magazines and cool clients." So I ended up being mostly the Hamid. The Hamid, like I, I got to shoot a few things, like the Masters and other sports events and uh, demonstrations in DC, other places, but not as much as I wanted to. It was mostly sitting behind the desk and I had the night shift, the graveyard, uh, you know, like from 11 till seven in the morning, whatever. And then I had to send pictures to people all across the world. But also received pictures from photographers that, that work were working for AFP or for, for from freelancers freelancers uh, working for them so I'll be getting uh, and the way to s- send pictures it was like they had this huge telephone like machines like if you look at a movie from the 40s where you have these ladies with headphones and unplugging something plugging mm-hmm. back plugging this hole plugging the hole. Man, I mean, I'm a DHT. Like, I'm not supposed to know where to send a picture to. <laughs> so what happened was, I got a picture from China that needed got needed to go to New York, or a picture from uh, Bolivia needed to go to Europe. So the Bolivia picture ended up going to somewhere else, and the China <laughs> picture. So, so yeah. So some, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I was going crazy with all those holes and numbers, and so yeah. So it drove me crazy and I quit. Yeah. So I got fired and, you know, I thought, Hey, I'm the greatest photographer in the world. It's great to have, you know, it's great to feel good about yourself and feel, wow, assertive and all that. But you know what? You have to know your limitation at that time. I didn't know it, but I learned fast. I thought, Hey, I'm the greatest photographer in the world. I'm going to get work fast. And that was not the case. Um, it was tough. I, it was tough for a few months. Um, they were, I mean, um, uh, I had to move out of the place I was living because, uh, I couldn't pay the rent anymore. And then they were found a cheaper place. And I'm not a guy who goes to happy hours to drink or anything like that. <clears throat> I mean, I do it with some friends. But for the sake of going every day, that was not me. But I, it, it got so bad that I made a list of places, restaurants that were doing happy hours. So every day of the week, I would go to different happy hour plays so I could eat. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even drink. Sometimes uh, most of the time I get a, I'll get to I'll get the Coke. I, I love red wine, but I didn't even have money to buy a glass yeah. of red wine. So I would get a coke or most of the time I just said water. I'm said to the bartender, I got to know their names, I got they got to know me, obviously. And I would say to them, you know what, I am I'm, I'm the designated driver, so I cannot drink. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we be fine? So he'll give me the water. Yep, and then I will put. Uh, they have you know those little oranges there and olives and those little umbrellas. So I grab a piece of orange, half an orange. I put it in my glass and that little umbrella. Hey, I, I got a drink in my hand now. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So so that went for a while until then I started freelancing for the uh, Washington Post, Reuters, and USA Today. Those were my salvation.
1: Okay. And the career takes off from there. And man, you've got you've got rock and roll stars, you've got movie stars, you've got a listers all the way through your portfolio. So I mean, clearly this goes up, but at the same time, at roughly the same time, you've got two the beginnings of two major projects, and and it's tough to say. You know, looking at your biography, it's tough to say which one really is coming into into play first, but. Let, let, let's start with the Cuba series because when the revolution when the revolution came along, your family was d- divided. So you know, so you, th- there was a split there. What made you? De- I mean, we're talking in the eighties. What made you decide to go back to Cuba or to go to Cuba and and try to make some connection there?
0: Yes. Oh, by the way, I I just want to add that uh, my first magazine client, because you always remember, the mm-hmm. first lover. It was Forbes magazine. <laughs> Forbes magazine was my first magazine. Going back to, to Cuba. Um, Cuba started first in 89. You know, my newspaper, my years as I was missing the news. Although I was shooting for uh, Washington Post and USA Today, it, it was not the same as when you doing uh, when you work in staff for a newspaper because as a staff photographer you are doing the nitty-gritty and and you're really feeling it you know it's in right. your blood that you have that drive you know the energy and that was not the case when you freelance it's just one jobs come here and another lot comes but a lot of times we're mostly portraits you know so I, I started thinking, I'm missing that. Then I thought of Cuba, and I asked, I asked my mom uh, about our Cuban family, and she said that they haven't heard from them since long before the revolution in '59. So I started doing research, and then I traveled to Cuba, and uh, I thought it would be easy to find them. Uh, with the phone book, Cuba. But when I landed to Cuba, the phone book at that time, that was like 89, I landed there, 89 or 90, so long ago. But the phone book was from 1959. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And my mom said that her uncle, which was my grandfather's uh, brother, was a painter, you know? Uh, so I thought, no, no, sorry. He, he was a, uh, the, you know, uh, that he was tall, green eyes and hair. You know, his background was from Spain, very white. And that he was the, the manager or something running the, uh, Forgot what it would be called, but that he was like uh, running a uh, sugarcane. Uh,
1: okay. Okay. Uh,
0: business, you know, all the sugarcane production, right. you know? And they were wrong. It turned out that he was a painter, painting bridges and things <laughs> like that. Later, I found out.
1: Now, did did you go back? As a photographer looking for family, or, or did you? I mean, did, did you know on that first trip that you were beginning a project?
0: No, no. I brought color film with me and black and white. And as soon as I landed to Cuba, I saw everything in black and white because it was just like how it was since 59.
1: I've read no. I've read that in in some of the descriptions of your work because the cliche of Cuba is bright colors, 1950 cars. I mean, you know, we we have seen those images, and you got there and you said, "No, I'm doing Cuba in black and white." Correct.
0: Correct. Because I saw black and white. That's what I saw. All black and white. You know, I, I love black and white and Solana. Mm-hmm. I also love all black and white movies. It, it, man, when I saw those cars, it, it was just watching Humphrey Bogart driving and uh, get away uh, with bullets flying everywhere and he's trying to get away. So right. that's what I was seeing, you know, Humphrey Bogart, the rubber Mission, and all those guys. And uh, it, that's what I saw. It's like, wow.
1: In, in, in a place like, like Cuba, more, is, you know? Yeah. In a place like Cuba, which is so rich in color. Is, is black and white a different story? I mean, thinking narrative now, thinking, you know, trying to get at the heart of something, is it a completely different story? At least it's for me. I, I feel that I'm glad I went with black and white. And
0: uh, I feel that working with black and white, you go straight to the matter. I, I mean, you, you just go, it's a tunnel, straight tunnel to where you want to see. With colors, color is beautiful, and then you see the whole spectrum of this, in the image or something, or vertical, and then your eyes, your eyes could go to someone's, uh, to a big a tree that has beautiful red uh, leaves or something, or your eyes could go to a powerful color and a green dress or the blue ocean. It, it, it goes to a lot of places. Black and white, man, you go bang, it takes you to right there where it matters the most. That's how that's how I
1: see it. I, well I, we're in complete agreement there. You you 26 years yeah. you've, been, you've been going back to Cuba. Yeah, and and I, but yeah. somehow how do you reduce 26 years of I don't know how many visits down to a couple hundred photographs? Well <laughs> hey they are right. I have <laughs>
0: The it, it was my editor. It was the, the photo editor for my book. Uh, it's a great friend. His name is uh, James Colton, Jimmy Colton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was um, uh, he's one of the greatest photo editors and director of photographers uh, photographers of all time in magazines. He worked for many years for Newsweek magazine, and then he went to Sports Illustrated. So I hired him to be my photo editor for uh, for my book. And he said, sent me about a thousand images, and then he narrowed down to that. And um, you know, I also do want to mention that when I first started going to Cuba, now it's so easy to go, and so many people have gone there, and right. they don't realize how tough it was uh, in the days I went there at the beginning. The things started things started changing after nineteen ninety-eight after. Pope John Paul II. When they, that's when mm-hmm. things started changing and getting better. But before that, it was really tough, and uh, and there were no tourists from the USA. They were not allowed to go there. So I was pretty much the only person from the uh, USA going there. And in fact, this uh, Cuban ambassador, he uh, told me and wrote in my book, or somewhere that. But when my picture started showing in, uh, people started learning that I was able to go to Cuba. Then some magazines and journals started hiring me to go there. So when my work started showing on uh, on those magazines or um, photo industry journals, academics, whatever, that was pretty much the first time when people in the USA were able to see fragments of Cuba. Fragments of Cuba for the first time since 1951 in a steady way.
1: Did Did you have any issues with censorship? I mean, when when the issues would be published in the US, did anyone in Cuba say, "Hey, that doesn't"? They we're not we were not we are real fond of that one.
0: I was tr- I was careful how it was going to be used. I told that to the clients because I wanted to go back to Cuba. I have relatives in Cuba because that could be uh, again trouble. So, if it was, I tried to make sure that politics uh, were no mention in a way that could hurt me or uh, stop me from going to Cuba. One thing I did was that the guy, the ambassador to Cuba, uh, I believe he's now ambassador to, uh, in Colombia. I met him. Uh, in those days, to get a visa, it would take months. So I will go to the Cuban Cuba intersection uh, center uh, office, which uh, it was in Washington, D.C., where I was living. So I would have to go there. It was like the embassy, but it was not called the embassy. So there I got to meet some uh, diplom- diplomats from Cuba working there. So I met this man, uh, Jose Ponce Caravaggio, who is the man that I mentioned, uh, told me that. Uh-huh. So I became friend with him. And later on, uh, when something happens, uh, you probably remember when the, some people from Miami—I Miami, uh, forgot brothers. Uh, anyway, they flew the plane to Cuba. Cuba shot them down, killed them. Yep. So that was big yep. news. So then, yes. so then USA sent some of their diplomats, kicked them out of uh, in re- retaliation back to Cuba. So. Uh, Ponce Carvalho, uh, Jose, is one of those men who was sent to Cuba. So every time I went back to Cuba, I would meet with him. And so we, we created a relationship, a friendship. So I was able to get away with a lot of things where other people with a camera would have gotten in trouble. And, uh, and there were times where uh, there was a time where I, I do a photo workshop in Cuba. So one time I was doing a photo workshop there, and one of the students decided to do things as, on his own one day instead of being with the group. So he was actually... He went and met with some dissident, But he... So he had, he had an agenda, which I didn't know, and that's why he came to to my workshop so then uh, the Cuban secret police uh, track him and uh, they track me and and um, So around three or four in the morning. They came knocking on my door saying that they needed to talk to me. I have no idea what happened. And then they asked me, who is this guy? It was the name of one of my students. I said, yeah, he's one of my students. And they said, do you know that he met with people he was not supposed to be meeting with? I said, no, I didn't know that. And so they came in there for a couple of hours. I said, listen, I've been coming here for quite a few years. And you could call my friend Jose Ponce Caravaggio and you could tell him that you are holding me here right now. So when they, he's, uh, Jose is well known in Cuba. So Mm -hmm. as soon as they heard their name, his name, they said, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. (laughs) I mean, no, no, we we just, we were just curious. And and I said, yeah, and that guy is also cool. So there should not be any problem. I'll talk to him. Yeah. Also. And they sent me away and no more problems, but I had to mention
1: Jose. So that was cool. So, well, you know this. This it's a, it's a remarkable book. I'm um, I'm absolutely <laughs> digging every single and a lot of these pictures. I mean, you've you've got a really keen eye for a, a multi layered presentation. I'm looking at the one right now. Here's these this guy. He's smiling at the camera. He looks like the happiest person in the world. Um, there's a truck behind him. There's a bicycle. A bunch of people standing around. <laughs> and you think, oh, that's such a pleasant picture. And then you realize he's wearing hats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, uh, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. and then you know, th- there's there's another picture he's of the bass, he's gone to jail, yeah, man. But th- there's another picture of a bass player in an atrium, beautiful, just beautiful tonal work there, just what you, presented. you and elegantly present. I'm going, you got my book. No, but I've, your images are online. I've got them here. Oh no, no, because no, I,
0: I, I'll make sure I'll send you a copy. I'll, I'll try to find a copy. But it's all <laughs> well, so out. It's
1: all so out. I mean, oh, came well, congrats, out. congratulations oh, on thank that. Thank you. But it's man, okay, so you, you have, like I said, a, a vision of Cuba that is remarkable, and I find you know really compelling. At, but at the same time, you're doing this. You're doing the Black Cowboys project. Um yes. And, and yes, so, yes, you know, the, the, yes. these are the two ones and, and but there's some other stuff, you know, yeah. man, I could talk to you for hours here, but you know, uh, there's uh, some fun. other stuff I want to talk about too, but the Black Cowboys project intrigues me because, you know, there's the story, you're sitting on a plane, you're talking yeah. to this guy, he says he's a cowboy and you think, "Oh, really?" Um and oh, so yeah. you you start this yeah. project, but Manuel, I mean, you have a connection to Cuba. You are not a black cowboy. Right. Um, I, I, you know, how, how did you get not only, you know, access to that community, but kind of emotional, intellectual, you know, uh, artistic access to that community? Tell me about that
0: project. Well, you know, when, uh, uh, when I went to school, uh, when I was planning to go to, to become a doctor, I was actually planning to become a missionary doctor. Okay. And, you know, when you think of that, you have to love people. You have to love everyone. You have to reach out and get to know who they are. Mm -hmm. So, when you're a photojournalist, that's what we do. But you should do it with a kind heart, not because, oh, wow, what can I get with this image? How is this image going to make me, uh, will this make me more famous? Will that face on that person or girl, strong eyes, gonna make me bigger? No, mm-hmm. that's not the reason to create work. You have to go with, with a good heart, you know? So I'm sitting in the plane, right? And this man is sitting next to me, dressed as a cowboy. And it's the first time I've seen a black person wearing a dress as a cowboy. And, and I, I was trying to ask him, I didn't know how to ask him, why are you dressed like that? <laughs> and I, 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 honestly, I thought, you know, when people go to birthday and they dress like clowns and things like that, where parents mm-hmm. hire hire those men, those women. So I thought maybe someone hired him to be a black cowboy. And uh, he was flying to a... Uh, to a party or something that, that i thought that's what it was and he told me no. but he's a black cowboy and he's a rancher and he was from texas and um and his name is cleo earns which he's still alive and i got to see him do, uh, a few years ago during COVID. i traveled there to meet him so yeah so in those days no wi-fi no emails so when he told me that, that all, all those libels bulbs started Coming, not just one light bulb, thousands of light bulbs over my head Starting with ideas. <laughs> and I got his number uh, because I, that was his, he was my lifeline connection to connect to other people. Uh-huh. Then I, I was um, heading out of Washington. I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time. And I thought, so as soon as uh, it was the time or sports, I don't know which magazines was sending me yeah. there to Texas to do a shoot or somewhere. And as soon as I got back, like a week later, I I reached out to all my magazines, all my mainstream magazines and say, hey, I got I got a great story. I was so excited. And they didn't care about Black Cowboys. They do now.
1: But that time
0: they didn't care. Except for one magazine that someone told me called Emerge. And I called them and um they say, we'll get back to you. You know how in this industry, when they said they will get back to you, that means maybe, maybe chances are that will not happen. Or they might call you a few months later. Well, they call me like a week later, say, Hey, uh, the, um, managing editor loves the story. What can you start? That's fantastic. And so I work in the story for about a year with a magazine, they send me everywhere. And then, uh, sadly, <laughs> right when the um, story was going to be published, the magazine folded, so it was never shown. But I got all these great images. And then I, I kept going, continue working the project uh, pretty much every year because everywhere I went, when magazines sent me to anywhere
1: in the United States, mm-hmm. I did research for more black cowboys, and I did work on that too. But th- this winds up in Saint Petersburg, in Russia. I mean, th- it's yes. it's not it's not as if nobody's seen it. Th- this is a fa- this is a well known uh, project. Well, that
0: project, uh, some magazines have written a few things about it, uh, not as much as they should be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now, now he's getting more more traction with the with the uh, George Floyd, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Black Life Matters. So I'm glad that's happening. So yeah, so Russia found me, and um, in 2012, I was there. Um, yeah, the government invited me, so I spent like very uh, cool. A great time there. And also it was shown at the uh, opening of the Annenberg uh, photographer space in Los Angeles. Uh, so that was really cool.
1: Yep. Um. You know, we're gonna run out of time here really quick. There's two. There, I got one really small question, and and sure, then sir. I want to hear what, what you're going on. But I am I am tickled by something on your website, and on on your website, you've got you know all the portfolios, all the projects, and you know the stuff that we haven't talked about. There's Romania. There's Europe. There's China. There's the whole work with the portraits. I mean, I mean, your your work is is really wide ranging, and there's a lot of it. But th- there is this little tab on there's from the vault. So okay, here, here's you know here's the old stuff and a lot of rock and roll stars, a lot of athletes, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the very first picture in the on in the vault category is a Volvo and a dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I keep I keep looking at this thing. There's got to be a story behind this picture. <laughs> I, I love all cars,
0: you know. Uh I grew up working on my cars and motorcycles, bicycles, since I was a boy. And I love all all cars. I love Formula Formula One racing and European cars I love. So I was there. I was going to do a photo shoot. It's called Vasquez Rocks in in L.A. And we we have arrived for the photo shoot to set up. And uh, it was right before it got dark. And I saw that. So I said to my crew, just go ahead and start setting up. (laughs) I kept looking at the current dog. I said, wow. I mean, look at that dog. It's just so peaceful. And I just set up my uh, tripod because I, the light was dropping and that was with a Hasselblad. Mm-hmm. I just shot a few frames and I love it. And that, that's, that's my Ansel Adams, uh, Edward Weston moment,
1: you know? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you, know, yeah. um, you and I were talking before, you're just back from India. So t- yeah. what, what were you shooting? Tell me what you're working on
0: you know i don't i don't plans any i don't plan anything i just go and I, I go with the flow i i don't i don't my brain doesn't plan my brain just takes me to places and my eyes help me see things i observe and uh, interestingly i observe my observation has nothing to do with uh photography learning or by any photographer and didn't say observe it is, it is it, 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 the farthest from photography. When I was a boy around nine or 10 years old, I, I did martial arts and, um, I, I was fortunate enough to have been trained with Bruce Lee, believe it or not. And one of the things he kept saying to us and, he will smack us over the head, but in a gentle way, sometimes a little hard, but that's the way you learn. And he can send to me all the time, observe, keep observing everything, who is on your right, who is on your left, what car was parked when you came in. So yeah, so I, I that I learned well to observe. So I learned to observe things and that helps me to see things when I travel. So in India, I was trying to capture the culture trying to, not just the culture, but trying to go deep where most tourists or other people perhaps don't go or venture. And that's what I was trying to do.
1: Okay, well I I am going to look forward to this work immensely. Yeah, Manuel, this has been a great conversation and and I, I am deeply impressed with your work, every single bit of it, and you got a hell of a story behind it as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Enjoy the beautiful day. Ciao, ciao. Frames, because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.